This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Hello and welcome to You Will Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It is going. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We are recording this on Christmas Day. We are. Final recording of 2023. Hell yeah. Smell you later, 2023. You were not nice to me. <laughs> you were not nice to me either, so <laughs> here's hoping 2024 has better things in store for me, and for you, and for other people who maybe weren't treated the best in 2023. Right. Here's to you. Fingers crossed. So we are closing out disastrous December with the monster blizzard of 1886. Ooh. Which we can't relate to this year because we've had, like, no snow. No, we've had rain. Mm-hmm. Which... It is currently in, raining. In Minnesota in December is not great. No. No. Yeah. It literally started raining, like, Christmas Eve afternoon, and it has it hasn't been stopped. continuing off and on Yeah. since then. Yep. So, yeah. On that note, let's just yeah. get started. <laughs> let's think of snow. We'll envision it. Information was pulled from the following sources, a 2023 Legends of Kansas article by Kathy Alexander, 2022 Western Living Journal article by Terry Ledral, 2019 History article by Aaron Blakemore, 2015 Ancestry article, 2011 Kansas Historical Society article, 1886 The Hayes City Sentinel newspaper, 1886 The Hutchinson News newspaper, 1886, the Journal Democrat newspaper, 1886, the Nickerson Argosy newspaper, and the National Weather Service. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. The Midwestern state of Kansas, which is south of Nebraska and bordered by Missouri, Oklahoma, and Colorado, became the 34th state of the Union on January 29, 1861. At the time that the Kansas Territory was established, it boasted a population of 141,483. By 1880, it had risen to 996,096. Dang. And by 1890, it would rise to just over 1.4 million. Dang. Okay, so that was one of the spots to settle. Yes. I guess. 
Back in the 1880s, life on the Great Plains wasn't easy. However, the previous couple winters had been fairly warm, with no harsh weather conditions. Same. We can't relate. Can't relate. Due to this, settlers and ranchers across the fairly young state of Kansas had taken to allowing their cattle to graze on the open prairie during the winter in an effort to save money on feed. That makes sense. Yeah. With like at least two of them on the books, you know? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Cattle farming was a booming business in the Midwest, with beef prices rising, and one could turn quite a profit raising and selling cattle. Between 1866 and 1885, Kansas had become one of the largest shipping centers for cattle in the Midwest, providing the perfect grazing ground for cattle driven north from Texas. As a result, cow towns cropped up throughout the state as over 5 million cattle were driven north by the Texan cowboys and cattle drivers. Holy smokes. I really love the term cow towns, though. I know. I saw that and I was like, that's adorable. (laughs) However, landowners in Kansas were starting to restrict cattle use on their land, and in 1885, a quarantine went into effect that banned cattle from Texas from entering the state between March 1st and December 1st each year. Interesting. They were like, we need to feed our own cows. You can chill in Oklahoma or something. Like, you just go somewhere else. Because I I bet unregulated, it would have been just insane. The amount of people, like, thinking of people up north, too, just wanting to utilize their good weather. Everything appeared normal the morning of December 31st, 1885. However, a strange yellow-purple haze started to appear on the horizon from the Rocky Mountains, and with it came rain. This would usher in one of the deadliest blizzards in the history of Kansas, as it traveled all the way to the Missouri River, even extending as far south as Williams, New Mexico, and Kansas City, Missouri. Dang. Many people assumed that it was just one massive blizzard, when in fact it was two that took place the first week of January 1886. The first began around noon on January 1st in Dodge City, which is located in the southwestern section of the state. Mm Mm-hmm. The snow continued to fall continuously for 36 hours until the early morning of January 3rd. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a long time to be snowing. Yeah. During which seven and a half inches, or 19 centimeters, of snow had accumulated, with winds coming from the north-northwest at speeds of 20 to 30 miles per hour, or 32 to 48 kilometers per hour. No, thank you. Yeah. That would it would really suck to be in a cow town at this time. Yes. Yeah. Temperatures dropped to twelve degrees Fahrenheit or negative eleven Celsius on January third. The January second edition of the Journal Democrat published the following about the snowstorm. Quote The snowstorm which commenced last night and still continues today with blinding force is worthy of record as an unusually fierce one though it is drifting so badly that it is impossible to tell how many inches have fallen. It is a regular blizzard, and trains are delayed in consequence, end quote. Hmm. Although Mother Nature gave the people of Kansas a break for a few days, a second blizzard hit the night of January 6th until the 7th, with Arctic winds that plummeted the temps to well below zero. Yeah, we're familiar with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're familiar with it being cold. Real cold. The second blizzard may not seem as bad considering only two inches of snow fell, 
but it was the temperatures that were the real killer. Yeah. The combination of the wind and the chilly air made it one of the coldest weeks on record. Temperatures didn't go above 10 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 12 degrees Celsius until January 11th, with the coldest day being on the 8th, when temps dropped all the way to negative 16 Fahrenheit or negative 27 Celsius. Yeah, been there, but with much more ideal conditions and shelters. Yep. There was no warning for the second blizzard, although the chief signal office, which would go on to become the National Weather Service, sent a telegram to Dodge City. Because of the previous snowfall, the message wasn't actually received until after the blizzard had passed. Oh no, that sucks. Yeah. The January 7th edition of the Hayes City Sentinel stated, quote, Another severe blizzard struck us from the west last evening and continues to rage at this Thursday noon. Following so closely upon the severe storm of last week, with increased degree of cold and drifting snows, we fear stock without shelter and standing exposed to the winter blast must necessarily encounter heavy loss, both in condition and numbers. We trust it will prove the last severe storm of the season. We almost dread to hear the reports which we anticipate will reach us from all directions upon the cessation of the furious and bitter storm that has now been raging from west and north near 24 hours. The loss yeah. of animal life on the range, to say nothing of home ranches, must certainly prove severe, and we will be peculiarly fortunate if we don't have the loss of human life to chronicle. However, we can hope for the best. End quote. I don't want to know. I really don't. <laughs> I, just, I just smiled at her in a here we go type of look. Due to the extreme weather conditions, an estimated 75 to 80 percent of cattle had been killed in counties across the state. Oh my God. Going down as one of the worst natural disasters in Kansas history. Holy shit. An example of this was noted on the National Weather Service. Quote, there was a livestock fence north of the Union Pacific Railroad tracks in northern Kansas. Cattle would drift south with the storms and eventually wound up dying of starvation and exhaustion along the fence. Mm. It was said that a man could walk along the fence over bones all the way to eastern Colorado. South of the railroad, cattle would march south until they ended up falling into ravines or small canyons. Other cattle would follow and eventually would wind up on top of the cattle in the ravine. The cattle would die by smothering, starvation, or freezing. There was also a newspaper account of cattle trains headed east from Kansas. The trains were rushed to Dodge City, which was a feeding station at the time for cattle. The next morning, less than 25% of the cattle that were unloaded were alive. Wow. Cattle also died trying to cross the Arkansas River, creeks, and water holes. A man who came into Dodge City from his ranch told of seeing cattle standing on their feet, frozen. Mm -hmm. The blizzard and Arctic air mass also affected the southern plains. Cattle had drifted several hundred miles south into northern Mexico. Dead carcasses were seen on the plains along with dead antelope and even wolves. End quote. It wasn't just the livestock that were affected by the storm. The ranchers experienced tremendous losses as well. Mm -hmm. Prior to the storms, one rancher had been offered $25,000 or $842,000 today for his cattle. 
after the storm, he sold the ones that had managed to survive for a measly $500 or $16,800 today. That's awful. Between him and a ranch in the southwestern section of the state that lost 5,000 cattle in the storm. Oh my God. The blizzard quickly became the largest loss of livestock ever recorded on the plains. That's crazy. It's estimated that over 100,000 cattle died during the monster blizzard. The prairie littered with piles of carcasses. Some of the larger cattle companies ended up bankrupt. One firm had purchased 2,500 cows in December, and following the storm, none of them had survived, putting the company $45,000, or $1.5 million today, in debt. I can't imagine. I just can't. Like, that's... And, like, the smell after it all yeah. would be done. Yeah. Because what do you do with those? Yeah, because, like, the blessing is that they're currently frozen. But, yeah, once it starts to thaw, that's going to be awful. Yeah, because you don't want you don't want to take the meat from a starved cow. Well, right? they, I don't think they necessarily starved. Maybe they did because this happened over the span of seven days. Mm-hmm. Well, they said that some of them died of starvation and stuff. Yeah, I suppose it wouldn't. Take but a lot much, of them just froze to death. The, yeah, they couldn't see the grass. And they did get a total of nine and a half inches of snow. Yeah, there's no way the cattle would have been able to find the snow and, or the grass. I mean, they're fairly intelligent creatures. Right. But given how windy it was, they wouldn't have you thought, wouldn't have oh, I'll just see. dig around with my hooves to get some grass that's underneath no. all this snow. They would, they would have, been have been like, cold. where can I go to get out of this? Yeah. I feel bad for the ones that fell. I know. I can't imagine. Because like, I bet they couldn't even see in front of them. You know? No. They were just wandering. I'm sure they were snow blind because mm-hmm. it would have just been a sea of white. Yep. And For days. it would have been even worse in the dark, mm-hmm. you know. Of course, with conditions this bad, people were also affected by the severe weather. It's estimated that around 30 people died in western Kansas, with 35 passing away in Thomas County, which is in the northwestern section of the state. It's believed that 50 to 100 people in total died across the state, with those living in towns faring much better than those who lived in settlements in the wide open prairie. Yeah, no shit. But that's actually not as many people as I thought. I know. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be way worse than that. Mm -hmm. Like, I was very surprised that there wasn't more than that. At the time, many of the homes were made of cheap materials, poorly made, and not well insulated against the inclement and unforgiving cold of the Midwest. Like, right. these homes had just been, like, thrown together super quick. Well, if you think about it, too, they're not as Midwesty. Like, they're still kind of Southern enough to where the cheap material could get be gotten away with for most of the year. It yeah. A couple rough months. But I think a lot of these ones were, you know, super cheap houses that had been built in the cow towns, you know? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, they weren't, like, super established places. So. It was barely sheltered. Yeah, it was just kind of like, let's build a house super quick before the winter, and then maybe we'll go back and reinforce it or whatever in the spring. Several people quickly went through their fuel stores to keep warm and ate the food they had available. There were numerous stories that came to light following the blizzard of people dying trying to escape the snow. The January 6th edition of the Hutchinson News published the following, quote, The eastbound passenger train last night contained the bodies of two unfortunate persons who were frozen to death near Dodge City. Hmm. 
it is reported that 14 persons have frozen to death near Dodge City during the late storm, but our reporter has failed as yet to find any confirmation of the report. End quote. Two young ladies, along with their mother, near Mineola in Clark County, which is in the southwestern section of the state, mm -hmm. had set out during the storm for their brother's home when theirs started to fill with snow. All three of them were found the next morning huddled together in the snow, but only the mother was found alive, having sustained nothing more than badly frozen feet. Horrific. You would just be there with your children freezing to death next to you and nothing to do. Yeah. The January 20th edition of the Nickerson Argosy noted the following in a section titled The Blizzard's Victims. Quote, Three men named Cherry, Carson, and Carter left Wona, Kansas the 6th of this month, so right as the second blizzard was starting. Cherry was going home 16 miles south, Carson and Carter going to Gandy 18 miles further on. All lost their way and were found five days later, 16 miles from Cherry's place, all lying side by side in a small field, frozen to death, end quote. Crazy. So my thought is that they were all, once the snow hit, trying to travel to Cherry's house instead of, because mm -hmm. the other ones had to go 18 miles more. more south. And so they were trying to make it to his house, but they got completely lost in the snow and just ended okay. up in a field. Mm -hmm. In northwestern Kansas, a homesteader and his two horses were caught in the storm and froze to death just 50 feet or 15 meters away from his dugout. Another story from northwest Kansas took place outside of Oberlin, where a farmer, his wife, and their six children were found frozen to death. Visibility was so bad that people would become lost just yards from their homes. Yeah, I bet. It's a thing. The snow can come down that, that intensely, where you can yep. barely see above in front of your face. People traveling via wagons and coaches when the storm hit froze to death, many getting completely lost amidst the blinding snow. Some stagecoach passengers would find themselves terribly lost, their driver dead holding the reins. Like there was a story of one group that was in a stagecoach, and they had managed to leave Kansas like they had as the storm hit, and once they reached... I think it was Missouri, and the coach finally stopped. They got out, and the driver was just, like, completely frozen to death. Horrific. Although in total only around 10 inches or 25 centimeters of snow had fallen, thanks to the strong winds, some drifts were as high as 10 to 12 feet, or mm -hmm. 3 to 3.7 meters. Yep. Drifting is the most dangerous part of snowstorm. As you can imagine, all that snow made transportation difficult. Railroads were severely affected, stalling on the tracks until they could be cleared. The snow was so deep that not even 11 of Union Pacific's biggest locomotives could cut through it. Yeah. One passenger train's wheels were stuck and frozen to the rails, with snow drifting as high as the windows. It took several days before it could be dug out, with each car having to be uncoupled and broken loose one at a time. Wow. Trains that weren't stuck missed their stops entirely since the depots were almost completely covered in snowdrifts. So there'd be like highly trained engineers who had been who were super familiar with the area who would just have no idea where they were. Wow. And not be able to find the depots they were supposed to stop at. Like they would just keep going or they would get stuck just having no clue where they were. An example comes from the Kansas Historical Society. Quote, on January 20th, an Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe westbound passenger train became snowbound in Kinsley, 
It was followed by a second train, a special excursion carrying vacationers from Massachusetts to California. Oh, boy. More than 270 passengers from the two trains were entertained by the 1,500 citizens of Kinsley for several days. Aided by the publisher of the local papers, some of the travelers passed the time by producing a newspaper, the Bubba Blizzard. Stop. The Bubba Blizzard? Yeah, it was, it's BB Blizzard, so Bubba yeah. Blizzard. <laughs> Issued on January 23rd, its editor claimed that it was, quote, published once in a lifetime by a stock company composed of the passengers on the snowbound trains at this point, end quote, and it featured many puns about the snow. End quote. God. Another train that had been transporting hogs froze solid, all the pigs dying as a result. Mm. Many sections of the state went a week without mail due to train delays, and in some sections it took section men 16 hours with picks and shovels to clear a line of track that was 20 feet, or 6.1 meters, deep, and just a quarter of a mile, or 0.4 kilometers long. Wow. 16 hours. That's a rough job. Those who survived the storm struggled digging out the snowdrifts, particularly around the railroad tracks, since it not only prevented travel, but also the arrival of supplies. Mm -hmm. It was difficult work, as January temps ranged from negative 12 Fahrenheit, or negative 24 Celsius, to negative 25 Fahrenheit, or negative 32 Celsius. A layer of ice, thanks to the rains and sleet that precipitated the storm, covered the southwestern portion of the state, buried beneath towering drifts of snow. So even when you would get through all that snow, could be ice. Then there's this layer of ice. Many people suffered from frostbite during the cleanup process and had to have limbs amputated. Yeah. A number of people tried to recoup lost income by skinning the carcasses of the cattle they'd lost, selling the hides for leather production and other goods. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, you can't save the beef. You can't save the meat. Following the storm, changes were made to try and prevent such a huge loss of life in the future. More fences were constructed to prevent cattle from getting lost on the open plains. Larger food stores were created for livestock in preparation of the winter. The Weather Bureau, which is now known as the National Weather Service, made changes to be able to send out advanced storm warnings quicker. Farms, properly built farmhouses, and better roads were built, and rail companies developed and implemented modern rotary snowplows to help remove snowdrifts from the tracks. Nice. And that is the monster blizzard of 1886. That sounds awful. I mean, obviously, there have been several blizzards since then. Right, and there was right. even one we there was kids. even one later that year. Oh. Like there was another one later that year, but it wasn't nearly as bad as this one. Yeah. One of the joys of living in the Midwest is uh, just inclement weather. weather. Mm-hmm. Like when a tornado? Yeah, tornadoes, oh, no, there you go. Tornadoes in the summer and blizzards mm-hmm. in the winter. The storms that cause fires in Minnesota. Yep. We're just really windy here. Yeah. Just a lot of gas. <laughs> Got a lot of wind. If you're interested in ad-free content... Consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. Tired of the same old podcasts every week? When you're ready for something different, come give us a shot. Greetings, we're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. 
Every week, we take turns sharing a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. We've covered everything from true crime, historical events and people, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult. I like that. And legends and folklore. My favorite. We're like the Dollar Tree stuff you should know. Except completely different. No matter what the topic is, we try to make the episodes funny. Yeah, you may not want to advertise that. Our jokes aren't very good. What are you talking about? My jokes are fantastic. <laughs> hey, I get paid to laugh either way. Wait, you get paid? Check us out at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shout out to the 11 and a half people that listen to us on Google Podcasts. Wait, you said you were getting paid? On that note, this month's podcast plug is Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Each week, the hosts take turns presenting a new topic, while the other has no idea what the topic will be. They strive to entertain and educate in a way that's loose and fun, with topics all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. And nice. we have a link to their show in the show notes. And this week's listener question comes from our friend Carrie Ann. If you could choose one person from history to bring back to life, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Honestly, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with the diabetes thing. I'm going to bring back Banting so he can like read the riot act to all the pharmaceutical companies <laughs> and uh, shame them into providing better health care for the drug that he invented. Because I think he would be really disappointed with how it turned out. That or Teddy Roosevelt. Because I think he oh, would yeah, just be really one. fucking fun to bring back. He would. I think it would blow the minds of all the QAnon conspiracy people. They'd be like, oh my god, is that Teddy Roosevelt? And be like, fuck yeah, it's Teddy Roosevelt. Bow down, bitches. He's gonna fuck you up. Bitches back. He speaks softly and he carries a big stick. Yep. He's gonna ride a buffalo. He got shot during his inaugural speech and he finished it before yep. he went to get taken care of. Mm -hmm. Guy's a fucking goat. Yeah, he was in the front line when he was in the military. Yep. I would love... To see him in modern times, I think he would just, God, he would just fuck shit up so hard. Yep. Like in the in the best and probably worst ways, you know? Yes. yes. He definitely wasn't perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's, there's going to be mean, some bumps in that road, but it would be fun. I'm going to agree with you on the Teddy Roosevelt because he also did help establish the National Park Service mm -hmm. to try and preserve some of our national natural wonders. Mm -hmm. I would also bring back his daughter, Alice. Because she yeah. sounded like a fucking riot. Mm -hmm. She was this. Could you imagine what she could get out, get away with now as a modern day? Oh woman? my god! Oh my god! She was for people who don't know who she is. After you finish listening to this, please Google her because she was like this wild child. She was his first child. Her mother mm -hmm. passed away, and Teddy is famously quoted as saying, I can either run the country or I can try to wrangle Alice, mm -hmm. and right now I have to run the country. And <laughs> she was made like an emissary to, quote unquote, the Orient. They called it the Orient mm -hmm. back then. And she went on this like elaborate boat tour. She had tons of animals. Like She had this huge zoo at the White House. Yep. She had like snakes and ostriches and all these crazy mm -hmm. creatures at the White House. She would have these lavish parties. I think she married someone that was like almost twice her age, something like that. Like Probably. she she was great. Like I think she would be so much fun. If not to hang out with and to at least talk to, to like mm -hmm. hear hear her life story because I think she she sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, the Roosevelt's. The Roosevelt's. There we go. <laughs> On that note, what's something good you'd like to share? Well, we just had Christmas, mm-hmm. and my partner has like a really stressful job where he's he works like every day, and even on his days off, mm-hmm. he ends up working a few hours. And so today was the first day in several months that he actually like really had an honest to god day off. Mm-hmm. And we were able to go have dinner and hang out with our parents and it was just really nice. It was nice to have just a day off mm-hmm. and relax. So I'm very thankful for that. And I, I luckily have a couple additional days off that I'm gonna use to clean the house and relax a little bit. So that is my continuous good, I guess. What about Thanks. you? What's something good? Christmas was also good. We're mm-hmm. we're at that point where my youngest is continually like towing the line of does she believe in Santa? Does she not believe in Santa? To be fair, she's nine, so she's mm-hmm. it's getting to be that time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So she's been asking a lot of questions. So I'm I'm a little sad because this is probably going to be the last year that the magic yeah. of Santa is a thing. And I was up so late last night trying to like get her to go to bed. I was just like, you can't come unless you're asleep. Fucking go to bed. <laughs> I didn't go to bed till like midnight, and then of course she oh, woke up man. at like three to try to catch him. She just was up, like she just got really excited and woke up. And Thomas was like, "You can't, you can't get up this early. You need to go back to bed." He's like, mm-hmm. "I know you're super excited, but you, you got to go back to bed." He's like, "There's mm-hmm. no way the rest of them are gonna get up at three in the morning." And he's right; it would not have been a merry Christmas, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, it was a little bittersweet, I guess, in that respect. Yeah, shall we? We shall. A great way to support the show, if you can't do so financially, is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, and Audible. I know we ask every week. It seems really silly, but it really does help. It lets us know what you like about the show, and it also lets other people know that the show is good and people enjoy listening to it. Mm -hmm. If you have a couple minutes to spare and would be willing to let people know that you like us. That'd be great. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at yieldcrimepodcast. And on a final note... Our T-Public shop is running an end-of-year sale. You can get 35% off December 25th through the 29th. So you can still enjoy a little bit of a discount before the new year hits. Awesome. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly... If you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes, or over on our link tree, to get started today. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you in 2024 next time with another tale. As old as crime.